What is up, everybody? Welcome to episode three. Three. Episode numero trace of a fanboy and a know-it-all talk pop culture. I'm Jake Roberson. I'm Paul Acey. I am also affectionately known as know-it-all. Paul. I guess that makes me fanboy. Paul is fanboy. I'm a I'm the optimist in the the crew here. And you're the professional movie reviewer. Which yeah, is a great place to be. Which for you. we you'd think that I would be the know-it-all, but no. <laughs> No, I know hardly anything. You know nothing. I know everything. (laughs) And you point that out every single podcast. So here we are, episode three. We have got a fabulous discussion on the movie Fences. Fences. With Denzel Washington and Viola Davis. Viola took home some hardware for this film. Best Supporting Actress. And she really deserved it. And they've taken home hardware for this as a play. Yeah. And we'll talk about that in our... Uh, discussion of the movie this fantastic movie fences and uh, but before we get to that and before we wrap up our show with the most least important thing we're not wrapping up the show just yet but. we're not gonna wrap up the show yet <laughs> but before we get to wrapping up the show because <laughs> we know you guys podcast ever you know you guys are looking forward to that uh, <laughs> we have a our rank geek segment we did mutants Yes. X-Men Mutants last time. Yes, and you were wrong. It got heated over Deadpool, yeah. who we well, found we were both a little bit right and wrong. Yeah, yeah. We were told by a listener, actually, that, that he is a mutate, that he had a recessive mutant gene. Right, so I, I discovered and had to apologize to Paul because Deadpool, when yeah. I looked it up, was technically a mutate, which means he was turned into a mutant. However, an astute yeah. listener informed Paul yeah. and saved my behind... Yeah. By saying that he actually yeah. had a recessive mutant gene. Yeah, because I was really looking forward. That Jake was supposed to apologize. I was supposed to apologize this episode, but now I guess we're just both sort of right. Is what it comes down to. <laughs> All right. So for this segment of Rank Geeks, guys, we're in March, right? In and March. what do you associate with March besides St. Patty's Day? Lions and lambs. College hoops. Yeah. March Madness is yeah. here. Man, we're right in the middle of it too. Did you see right that at the beginning? Upset. Of it. Or I guess that, I'm now. Moment. I'm forgetting. Yeah, we're right in the middle of this thing. Yeah, yeah, we're right in the middle of it. Don't it, no there spoilers. Was, there was there was that huge upset and <laughs> that massive blowout. And did you see that last that second really shot? close game? Yeah, <laughs> fantastic stuff. I actually really love March Madness. I love March Madness. And interestingly enough, as big as a sports guy as I am, I played high school basketball, um, I played college football. Big Sports is a big thing for me. I've never really gotten into March Madness. Well, that just shows that you're lame. It is. (laughs) But I have gotten into this topic, which is the top five March Madness mascots. That's correct. So I just picked the teams from this year's March Madness. Yes, just from the 2017 bracket. All right, good. So So 2017's. Top five March Madness mascots. I'm very interested to see the angle you took because I took a very just, it was, you know, nonsensical angle. I well, just went with what I loved. The top well, five. I did too. The so, top five. Okay, so here we go. All right. So, do you want me to start? Um, yeah. Why don't you go I'll, with I'll your start. number five? I'll start because mine's going to be better. Kent State Golden Flashes. Golden Flashes. Not to be confused with Golden Rain. Yeah, see <laughs> <laughs> getting back on the topic really quick um yeah you know i like the the golden flashes thing because no one really knows what that is right i mean you see this golden flash it would be pretty awe-inspiring i mean you see this golden flash and you think oh 
we're going to lose this game because there was this golden flash, right? What is a golden flash? Yeah. Yeah, it's just Does green. anybody know? No one really knows. It's just it's a flash and it's gold. Yeah, it really should have been my number one pick just because of that <laughs> the ambiguity. That mystery. Yeah. There's a little bit of a power play. I, like, I, like I don't know mystery. what do you think we are. <laughs> I like the mystery. Okay. All right, number five for me. A little boring, but I'm I like history. I want the Xavier Musketeers. Because mm. yeah, that's really scary. A dude with a musket with a musket? Yeah. You, you gotta like put powder in the barrel and you got to put a bullet in the barrel and you got to tamp it down and then you get a sh- like that's not scary at all no, who cares about musketeers golden flash but it's kind of awesome because of that well it's super old school i almost put xavier on the list and just wanted to call them xavier because of our, our last conversation about the x-men so. musketeers all right number four number Paul. four northern kentucky norse the norse i really like the norse yeah I think that they're... Are you a f- like, fan of Norse mythology? Or? Well, I'm kind of getting pumped up about Thor, and I'm playing through Skyrim again. And <laughs> oh, so, yeah. yeah. Paul so, is a huge Skyrim fanboy. It, it's the only game that I play. I just played Skyrim over and over again. But Northern K- Kentucky Norse, and, and really, I just like the idea of Northern Kentucky getting on some sort of good <laughs> list, you know? <laughs> Because what else are they known for? Nothing. Yeah. Um, all right, number four for me, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. And I have no affinity for Notre Dame. I have no ancestry in Ireland. But can we all just take a moment to think about the fact that this is one of the few racist mascots that's still <laughs> kosher. I don't, I don't think it's racist. I it's do not think racist. It's, sort of, it's He's a drunk little, yeah, little person. But, but it's not like a race. It's it like is. A the nationality. Irish people are... Nationality. Yes, uh, I, so, it's it's so, nationist. So if I, if, I, if I make a racist comment about Chinese people, I, it's fine because they're from a nationality? <laughs> oh my of China, no, we're Paul. Really if I if it was like the fighting Chinese people, that would be <laughs> that would be a that huge would be problem. offensive, no, wouldn't it? No, but I'm just or if saying, it was the fighting no, Indians, offensive. I'm just saying, when but you the fighting like, Irish is totally fine. Hey, there's just a bunch of drunk no, little no, people. No. You can make fun of them. I'm not saying that it's not. There's not something a little bit strange with it. I'm just saying they're not like a race. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're a nationality. I guess we'll let the listeners weigh in on that one. Okay. All right, so that's number four for me. Okay. Number three. Number three. Virginia Tech Hokie. Did you say Virginia? Virginia Tech Hokie. <laughs> you sounded like a Hokie. <laughs> Do you even know what a Hokie is? It's a bird. Very good. I had to look it up. Because they've got that like, no, purple bird thing. No, I think mascot. It, yeah, I think it's uh, like a turkey. I only know that because I was a big fan of uh, a certain Michael Vick when he was in college. Oh, that was before we knew about everything else. Yeah, and yeah, that's now he's really good at chess, and he's a good family man. But he's go. he's good at chess. Yeah, really? I watched this whole thing. He learned chess while he was in prison. So there you go. Wow. Now you know. Now I know. There you go. Hmm. Number three for me. This one is a little bit of nostalgia because I was born, uh, just right across the street from their football stadium, the Wisconsin Badgers. Oh, the Wisconsin Badgers. Because Badgers don't get enough respect. They're a vicious little creature. They are a vicious little creature, but I got to say that... Pound know, for pound, they're one of the most dangerous. So far is, is pretty boring. Oh, get over yourself. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number two. Mr. Hokey. Can I, can yeah, I go, go on to number, number two? two? Number two, the Minnesota Golden Gophers. And I'm the one with the lanterns. 
You have a gopher on your list. No, gophers. Gophers that's are great. Totally I've cool. seen Caddyshack. Gophers are amazing. Yeah, they're awesome, um, and they're golden. And no, they're, seriously, because, because nobody likes brown gophers. So if a golden flash would be really disturbing, a yeah. golden gopher would even throw you off more, don't you think? If this what if they had a gopher, kid? What would that be? <laughs> <laughs> a really fast golden gerbil (laughs) (laughs) it'd be like a golden hamster ball Um, all right number two for me the south dakota state jackrabbits oh that's good because jackrabbit that's it's like it's an insult but it's also kind of cool it's really cool yeah my golden what is a jackrabbit tear a jackrabbit apart right jackrabbit's kind of like a chupacabra or yeah i'm gonna dominate our our mutual list i can tell you that (laughs) Uh, okay, what's your number one? Number one, and you already know this because I, I let it go earlier, but I really like the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. There's a ring to that. There really is. And it's really a super bit cool. Of truth to it. Yeah. You're yeah. like, yeah, deacons are totally of the devil. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies not, to any of our listeners not, who happen to be deacons. But. That's not precisely true. <laughs> but But seriously, a demonic deacon... It would put the fear in like something. A, yeah, it sounds like a terrible movie it that really we should does. watch sometime. Oh, it really does. The oh. Demon Deacon of Wake Forest. I mean, isn't that already a play? Uh, <laughs> it should all right. be. You number, need to write that up. <laughs> number one for me, because we were on number one, right? Yes, yes, yes. The Wichita State Shockers. Oh. Do you know what a shocker is? Yes. It's a what? <clears throat> it's a bolt of electricity? No, right? it's not actually. Their mascot is an angry piece of wheat. <laughs> no way. No joke. The Wichita State oh. Shockers mascot is an angry piece of wheat because apparently there's some, like, students would do something called shocking, like, the oh, yeah, vernacular shocking was shocking wheat or yeah, whatever. Yeah, like, instead of shucking, they're shocking. Shock, I don't know. I've never lived in a wheat field or near one. Wow. But, uh, yeah, their mascot is literally a angry stalk of wheat. Oh, man. I got to say, you... You get that one. Thank That's you. That's really yeah. good. All right, so now we've got to come together and create right. okay. the definitive dun, 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 fanboy know-it-all top five 2017 March Madness mascots. That's right. a mouthful. Somebody give me an acronym. <laughs> All right. I definitely think that my golden flashes trumps your musketeers. As, as cool as a lousy musket is. Um, <laughs> because seriously, muskets are like the worst weapon ever. I always well, hated those Revolutionary War movies. Except for where they're, noodles. Where they're sitting there and they're like... <laughs> don't you think? It's like I mean, it's one shot the and then it's ever. like, hey, I'm going to have some tea. Please don't shoot me while I'm reloading my gun. Uh, so, but as as lame as that is, uh, I will give you golden flashes. So, that is number five. Didn't Captain what was it, Kent State? Yeah, didn't Captain and Tennille used to sing about musket love? I don't know who you're talking about. Okay. Is that like an old people's will. thing? Yeah. <laughs> yes. It Coming up old... on the golden oldies, Captain Tenero and the Musketeers. Oh, you don't know what you have missed. <laughs> All right, number four, I had Notre Dame fighting Irish. Oh, and I win this too. Northern you Kentucky do not Norse. win this. No. The Norse one of the, are much mo- more one of the last remaining racist mascots. <laughs> it's not racist. It's, it's so racist. It is nationist. Yours is just like the Norse. Like what Norse? And that's like just Norse as, nannies. That could be the Norse as, nannies. That's actually better than than your 
Irish because Norse it's more like regionist. <laughs> regionist, yeah. <laughs> exactly. They're not from like Norway. Well, you've got Norway and Sweden and you know all those Scandinavian the countries. Swedes. Yeah, so it's regionist. So really in terms of like the offensive level, if you're we're going to get offended by this, <laughs> the Norse would win. No, because they're not depicted as drunk little people. <laughs> the way that the fighting Irish are. Seriously. You want their mascot is a drunk okay. leprechaun. Alright, so and you want you want to reward this as you say, <laughs> racist mascot with a place on our list? Is yes, that what you're saying? Because we need to bring awareness to this. Oh my goodness. Alright, just to go on. We'll, we'll <laughs> Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Okay. Number three. I had Virginia Tech Hokies. And I had the Wisconsin Badgers. Oh, I definitely would. Hokies wins for like a weird name, but Badgers is a better mascot. They have Bucky the Badger. Well, that dude wears like a turtleneck sweater. No, you, dude, you no, tell no, me no, that no. a the you Hokies, walk, you meet a badger with a turtleneck striped turtleneck sweater. You, you, I'm, I'm you'd going mess to your counseling. pants. I would <laughs> no. I, well, you'd be like that dude's in the mafia. I would figure I would have some sort of emotional mental problems. And I would take myself into counseling, as you probably should. The Hokies are just Hokies definitely win. Hokies definitely win. No, no, no. we got to flip a coin on this. What are we going to flip? goodness. You want to flip the ruler? We'll we'll flip the ruler. We've got a ruler here. Numbers, numbers, or uh, no numbers. You call it. Numbers. Ah, fine. Hokies, number three. All right. This is such a strange (laughs) podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Wow. All right. Number two. All right, number two, Minnesota Golden Gophers versus the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. Uh, you know what? I'm going to give that to you. Yeah, because Jackrabbits like jack are rabbits. pretty sweet. No, I, and, and, and they almost made my list, actually. I really like the Jackrabbits. Nobody else knows where South Dakota State even is. Yeah. Except that they have Jackrabbits, and you're like, well, that's kind of cool. All right, number one, we have... I don't even know if they have Jackrabbits, actually. I don't either. I didn't even look it up because it was just awesome. New Mexico has jackrabbits, which is far, far away from South Dakota. But, okay. So, anyway. Number one, you had? Number one, I had Wake Forest Demon Deacons, which is uh, pretty awesome. And I had the Wichita State Shockers. But I already this gave it tough. to This is tough. No, I, I gave it to you. Yeah, I, I thought Shockers was a great nickname. All right. That's there you awesome. go. So, if you have, you should have already filled out your Way brackets. Way better than Fighting Irish, that's uh, for sure. <laughs> you guys should have all filled out your brackets, but... I hope you put the Shockers in as winning it all because they just won it all here. (laughs) Honorable mentions, though. That'll win your office pool. Honorable mentions. There are, like, a whole lot of teams. Yeah. Well, we could have actually done... That are the Wildcats. Yeah, we could have actually done a top five list all of Wildcats. You've got the Villanova Wildcats, the Northwestern Wildcats, Arizona Wildcats, Kansas State Wildcats, and, of course, the Kentucky Wildcats. And uh, my honorable mention, the Aggies. There are several teams called the Aggies, and I didn't print out a list like Paul did. Sorry, guys, but there are a lot of teams called the Aggies, and that's just agricultural engineers, the least scary thing on the planet. Like, Ooh, what are you going to do? <laughs> Manufacture a piece of corn? Oh, you want to know another? another uh, and I say that. My mention? father was like an agricultural major, so sorry, Dad. Uh, <laughs> I would be more frightened of the Aggies than I would be of the Providence Friars. Ooh, Friars? Like Friar Tuck? Yeah. That dude was Oh yeah, he, he was, was pretty, pretty sweet tough. with a bow staff. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. <laughs> so there you have it, the definitive wow. fanboy know it all. Top five, twenty seventeen, March Madness mascots. Off the rails already. <laughs> and uh to jump the fence, the proverbial fence, because I don't have a segue. <laughs> 
is we're going to talk about fences, but actually I forgot to do some at the top of the show, so we're going to do it here. Okay. Uh, we had a contest yes, last we week. For uh, the Gospel of Mark. To win a copy of the Gospel of Mark. And we had some great uh, people that came to our Facebook page, or yes. our Facebook group, I should say, called yes. fan, our Pop Culture with Fan People and Know-It-Alls, mm -hmm. and told us what their favorite biblical movies were. Yeah. And so, yeah, we had some interesting picks, actually. We did. Some Hellboy of got thrown in there. Yeah, which I don't know is... Gladiator got thrown in there. Strictly biblical. Yeah, but, probably not strictly biblical, but we counted it because I failed to say biblical or just possibly Christian. Uh, <laughs> and so we had some great entries. I, I mean, I personally like Hellboy. So uh, Gladiator was thrown in there. Um, and Prince of Egypt. Prince even, of Egypt made in. Even yeah. got in there. So, all right. So we're going to pick a random name out of all. I've got the mini web tool random name picker right here in front of me. All right. So there's no bias, uh, even though there are several <laughs> people with a similar last name to me here. Very no odd. relation. Very odd how that works. Uh, <laughs> So if they happen to win, Paul, you can see that this is a random name picker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, here we go. Drum roll, please. <laughs> Joe Biggs. Joe Biggs. Joseph Biggs has won you a won copy. A big DVD. Congratulations of the Gospel of Mark. Joe Biggs, we will contact you about getting that into your hands. Congratulations. Yes, congratulations. And at the end of this show, we have something else to give away. So be sure to keep listening as we talk. Fences. fences. Paul, set the table for me here. All right. So fences. Fences, um, it's essentially a story about a working class, blue collar guy, uh, African-American who lives in um, the, not in the streets. He lives, he lives in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Yeah. And, he, and he's a family man. He has two kids. He has a, a older child named Lyons who comes by asking for money quite a bit. A younger child who's a very promising football player. His name is Corey, and he has a lovely wife, Rose. Rose. Who he deeply loves. But um, there's some interesting things that go on with that relationship. So it, it was based on a, on a play by August Wilson, I August believe. August Wilson. Um, the late August Wilson. He won a Pulitzer Prize for the play, I believe. And, and the language in the, in the play is actually just beautiful it's really hardcore it's very earthy and yet there's a there's a certain poetry to to the dialogue that is just amazing i thought and uh actually both denzel washington the star and and uh and <laughs> paul's snapping because he's forgetting something what are you forgetting paul i'm forgetting my favorite actress viola davis <laughs> viola davis both of them were actually on Broadway, and they both won Tonys for this they very did. role, I think. And Viola Davis, of course, won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actress, which she richly deserved. I thought it was the best performance of anyone, supporting or non, of the whole year. I thought she was. Tremendous. You would have given her Best Actress. I would have given yeah. her Best Actress. I would have given her, you know, I would have given her all the awards if I could have because I, she was that good. Yeah, she I think really she could have gotten Best uh, Lead because this, even it was though this really is a film about Troy Maxson, who's played by right. Denzel Washington, it's almost equally a film about her right. in a right. way. And, it really is. Um, and I think that she forms the, the moral core of the story, really. I mean, the, the story to me, and correct me if you think I'm wrong, Jake, is that it's it's sort of a story about about Troy, obviously. He's the main character within it. Um, but he's a really complex, conflicted character. And, and there's some really... It's almost like he's wrestling over his soul during the entire movie. 
and Rose is the person who sort of holds the entire narrative together. It's, it's she who we actually side with during the movie because we, we put ourselves into, into her shoes as she realizes that Troy is not quite the husband who he claims to be. Right. Yeah, and and I think one of the most... I, w- I want to get to him, to Troy, but I, I think something that is equally deserving, not equally deserving, but is also deserving of talking about on this is how this movie is translated from a play into a film. Mm-hmm. Because as you said, both Denzel Washington and Viola Davis were in this when it was on Broadway. Actually, most of the actors that are in this movie were in this Broadway play, mm-hmm. stage play. And um, if you go into this, th- like this movie feels, interestingly enough, very much like a play. Yeah. with how they've shot it, you know, where they try to keep the characters on the screen so you can see what they're doing. And, and there's these long, these long Soliloquies. soliloquies yeah. And they're in the midst of their conversations, very play-like. Yet it's very compelling because of the yeah. power and the weight of not only the writing that August Wilson did, but the delivery of that yeah, by no. the characters. And so I would have to say of, of all the movies that i've seen that were based upon plays this is this one was really well done yeah and i think it it for how long it is and for how dialogue heavy it is it even though there's moments where you're like yeah this is a really long (laughs) it actually holds up pretty well yeah and And I i can't say the same for some others no and i think part of that is because of the tremendous acting and it's it is interesting how they filmed this because they really made it look very much like a play. I mean, a lot of times you'll have, when you have plays translated for the screen, they try to make it look like a movie. This was really a bunch of people talking throughout the entire thing. There wasn't really much action, although there was some, I guess. But it was it was really about the relationships that these people had with each other and how that is communicated through their dialogue. Um, and it was, I think it was a gutsy choice and I think that that because of it, it it might not have appealed to everybody. But once you get into the acting, you know, Viola Davis was just amazing. I thought Denzel Washington was equally as deserving for the Best Actor award as as the guy who got it, Casey Affleck. Um, he was tremendous in it, as Denzel Washington tends to be. And I, it, for me, the the movie was extremely effective. Yeah. Um, because you do sort of put yourself into the the shoes of these people. I mean, in, in some ways, you really have rooting interests in a lot of different areas, and, and you're really sort of processing throughout the entire movie, I think, is Troy a good person or not? Is Troy the hero of this movie? Right. No, and that that's because I would actually argue he's not. Yeah, yeah. And And that was actually one of the most challenging things for me as I watched it and as I've been processing it is the fact that Troy, you really don't like him. Yeah, yeah. And you get, and there's other characters in the film and you see relationships strained and snapped and you see the fact that not, that kind of deservingly so. Yeah. He's not a great guy. He's not a great guy. And yet, there's something pulling at him. There's something that won't let go that seems to be kind of a little bit beyond himself that's pulled him along his whole life. Even though he sees everything, like everything's been a raw deal and he's been fighting and struggling, there's this kind of, there's this thread of goodness that 
not as in him, but is there in spite of him. Yeah, it's, it's, he's an interesting character. And just to explain a little bit about what we're talking about, he has a really fractious relationship with both of his kids. You yep. know, his older son comes by for money. Troy gives him a hard time every single time he comes by. Um, his younger son is very dutiful. Um, especially at first. Yeah. And, and his older son was from uh, a different woman, not right. from his wife, Rose, who's the mother of his younger son. That's a good thing to point out. And yeah. his older son, he wasn't around to father. Like, he was in prison. Right, right, right. And so he didn't actually even raise his older son. That's exactly right. now is kind of having this relationship with him. Yeah, so it's almost sort of a financial relationship more than anything else. The, the relationship with the younger son, Corey, is a little bit deeper, but it's also much more fractious. One of the things we learned about Troy is that he had a very difficult relationship with his own father. Um, said in, in one point that, that his father was pretty much the devil incarnate. Yeah, literally. Um, and he, he says that. And he says during the movie that he feels the same shadow of his father inside him, which I thought was really poignant. Um, but when he deals with his with his younger son, Corey, it's, it's, it's difficult because you see that his son loves him, wants to make Troy love him back and troy because of the type of person it is he is the type of person maybe that he was raised the, the type of environment that that he was raised in we're talking about back in the 1950s and 60s when men weren't very emotional with their kids you have you have a very strained relationship between the two of them and in some ways i can i can see the point of the father and i can see the point of the son as they're talking, you know, the father is encouraging the son to be self-sufficient, to, to fight, to scrap, to, to be, um, to really be his own man. Um, the son wants to play football, and Troy says, essentially, you know, I don't trust the people there. He's, he's grown up in an environment where there's just not a lot of trust for, for, for African Americans, and, and so he... He says, no, you're not going to do that. You're going to study. You're going to work for me. No football ever. And it becomes a huge point of contention. Yeah, he's projecting all of this pain and all of the, the times he's been burned mm. onto his son. And, exactly. And the sad thing is, and it's it's sobering because I've seen this in my own relationship with my own kids, and they're pretty young still, is that I have all these preconceived pains and wounds and and doubts and fears from my own upbringing from my own experience in life that i want to yeah. help my kids avoid yeah but if i'm not careful those can lead me to to pushing my kids away right when they when they need something else from me if i realize my kids aren't me they're not even they're not being raised in the same environment as me in the same world as me and so i have to interact with them on their level and I have to put aside, which is really tough to do, I have to put aside my own preconceived notions and pains and hurts and wounds. It's, yeah. And that's what Troy's wrestling with. It's really difficult. And I think I think you really hit on it. I think that, that when I watch this, I mean, I feel the pain of the son. You know that Troy is not being a particularly great father to him. And yet you understand Troy's desire to pass on this wisdom, this tough love, as it, as it were. You know, and, and, and like you say, you process it with, with your own kids. You know, my son is grown. And and you sort of, when you watch this, I sort of look back and I think about, what did I do right? What did I do wrong? You sort of put yourself into a position where you wonder whether you were Troy at times, right. you know? And hopefully I wasn't, but you just you just don't 
it, it really brings up some deep thought about the nature of family and about the very difficult process you have of, of raising kids. I mean, because it's really tough. It's yeah. really tough to do. And the other interesting thread that runs alongside of that and is really intertwined with that is is the faith thread kind of throughout the whole movie. You mm -hmm. know, there's he's constantly referring to the devil and how right. he met the devil incarnate or how he wrestled with death or, you know, or Rose talking about her faith. And, he's a very Jacob-like uh, figure in a way. And he he's so he's so broken yet you can tell that there's this part of him yeah, that one, you know, actually, uh, my favorite character in the film was his brother Gabe. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, his brother Gabe is the only of like I think he says he had something like ten siblings, and he had a lot of siblings growing up. Troy did, uh, but the only one he kept in contact with was his brother Gabe. Um, but Gabe, as we meet him in this film, is is troubled. He was injured fighting in World War Two. Uh, sounds like it was an explosion that took part of his head and he ended up having to get a metal plate and now he's he's handicapped he's mentally handicapped he's he, you know he can kind of take care of himself a little bit but not really very well so Troy's constantly having to bail him out of jail because you know he's this grown african-american man who's mentally handicapped so he gets in trouble for disturbing the peace even though he's a gentle soul mm -hmm. um, but his his kind of his delusion that he's living in is that he when he had his near death experience was that he went up and he had lunch or breakfast breakfast he had breakfast with saint peter and then after and they had big old biscuits and <laughs> then saint peter needed a nap and so then he then and so then he was sent down gabe was sent back down and he's got a trumpet and he's supposed to wake up saint peter when it's time to open up the gates and so he's supposed to, to wait until he's supposed to wake up St. Peter, and then he's supposed to chase off all the hellhounds. He's constantly seeing hellhounds and chasing off the hellhounds. And he's just a very sweet character, but you see this tension because he loves his brother. Um, but he had to make some hard decisions about his brother's— Troy did. You know, Troy did, sorry. Troy had to make some hard decisions about his brother's caretaking and well-being and his finances. And, um, you know, he—they've—they—they— they, they, it was a hard decision, yeah. But it actually also financially benefited himself and his family. Correct. And so you see him wrestling with that throughout the movie. Right. Not only his own brokenness, but now the brokenness of his brother. Yeah. Not only in the, the brokenness of his father, but yet the first time you see him interact with his brother, yeah. his brother, as he's telling retelling the story about being with Saint Peter, he's like, "I saw the book. I saw the book, Troy, and your name's there in the book." And you, and and you see Troy, and there's this this wistful look of. Hopefulness yeah. and despair on his face. Yeah. Like, could it? Is it really there? Yeah. No. And I, I love that. I love that part because that's really the thread that works its way through the entire movie. Is that thread? Is Troy's name really in that good book? You yeah. know, because we see that he's, he's a really difficult, sometimes tyrannical man, and we see in him also a heart that yearns to do good even with his fractious relationship with his son you can see that he wants to be a good dad even when that relationship really falls apart at the end you see the desire well maybe not in that point but but you do see just sort of that desire that that clash of his own soul which is really powerful to watch i think and yeah. and, and so that's really emblematic of of gabriel's memory that he saw the name written down in saint peter's book yeah, and 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 they get to that again at the end of the movie. It's a yeah. powerful moment. I don't want to spoil it if you haven't seen it. Yeah, but it's worth seeing. 
and and definitely you know recommend yeah. it's a very powerful film but we All, should, where yeah. where it gets to that spoiler so we'll say spoiler alert here before I get there All because right. it's been out for a while and it's not a huge spoiler because it still leaves some stuff up oh, to yeah, your imagination. I, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, so we gave you your sufficient spoiler warning here, and you can go to our website, fanboyknowitall.wordpress.com, um, to jump ahead to the most least important thing segment. I'll put a timestamp on there. Um, so there you go. But for your spoiler is uh, Troy dies off script before the end of the film. And the family – is and you find out because the family's coming back together for his funeral, and there's a scene where they're all out in the backyard, and Gabe is able to come, and he comes howling, he comes hooping and hollering in the backyard. It's time, it's time, it's time to wake up St. Peter, and he gets out his trumpet, and everybody's smiling at him, and, <laughs> and they're like, and and he starts to blow his trumpet, and it won't blow, and it won't blow, and then it starts to let out this mournful but hopeful blast yep and as it does the, the, the clouds, the clouds it's kind of a cloudy day and the clouds part and, yeah. and a beam of light shines down on the family and they're kind of like what is going on and there's this smile on gabe's face and it's like you know that confirmation that this broken messy man and you hear in their conversations around yep. that moment you know about and you see little glimpses of it before that of how he was working in the midst of these terrible decisions that he made Troy yeah. uh, to make things better and it gives you that sense that you know he found salvation for his weary broken tired messy totally screwed up soul yeah 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 it was it was really a beautiful moment it really was um just to let you know here's the obligatory plugged in warning <laughs> it does have a lot of cursing and content bad. caveat with Paul Ace. Thank you very much. Yes, there's there's some cursing here and there are some some sexual thematic elements. Nothing no. nothing, you nothing know. you see. Yeah. Nothing just des- described graphically, but right. it's referred it's, to. It's not necessarily a show for the kids. Yes. And and they use, you know, culturally they use the N word mm-hmm. uh, a lot in the film and so you have to be aware that all of that is there. Um but it was it was it was a con- that the way it ended what kind of stirred some conflict in me. Yeah. Well, because it's a com- I see myself in so many ways as a Troy Maxson. Yeah. As yeah. this guy who's got some good intentions, but is also, he's screwed up. Yeah. And, be, and then as he's trying to fix his screw ups, he screws up even further by swinging the pendulum the other way. Yeah. Yeah. And you see, and you see the wreckage that, that this screwed up man sort of leaves in his wake with his, with his wife, with his son, uh, and and yet that's kind of where we're all at, right? I mean, we are all kind of messed up in our own ways, and 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 the fact that we are sometimes leaves some damage with other people, which is really sad, but it's the truth. And 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 I think that it's really poignant, and it can be a hard movie to watch because of it, but it's really worthwhile. Yeah. So there you have it, folks. Fences. It was directed, produced, and starred in. By Denzel Washington. Denzel Washington. And, you know, I'll give this as our final kind of closing wrap here. I thought it was very interesting having seen Magnificent Seven <laughs> and Fences, both of which came out in 2016. Yeah. That is very different Denzel Washington. Very different I don't Denzel. know. I meant to look up when they filmed, so maybe I'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. Because you've got 
in Magnificent Seven, he looks good. Well, I mean, Denzel is like 60, 62, 61. 63 years old. He's 61, like and, and he looks like he's, well, he looks like he's younger than I am. In Magnificent Seven, yeah, you're like, he looks, he looks fantastic. He looks younger than you. Yeah, that's actually, I'm not going <laughs> to argue with you on that. But then in, in this movie, he's actually a, a only like early 50s, I think, in Fences. Right. But he looks a lot older. Yeah. You see the years on him and you see the weight on him. You see the weight. Yeah. It, There's it, one scene where I'm like, dang, Denzel. No, you it's, look bloated. It, it's true. It's one of those things where we're so used to seeing him in these, these action-oriented roles, which he does great. But here he really kind of lets himself go, you know, in terms of in terms of both the, the physicality of who he is, but also he he really lets it fly in terms of, of his acting ability in this as well. Yeah. And uh, we're actually going to give away a copy yes, we are. of Fences. Yes, we are. We have a copy of Fences to give to one of our lucky listeners. Joe so, Biggs, you cannot win this one. <laughs> Joe Biggs, you can't win. Sorry, Joe. But uh, we still want to hear from you. Uh, and so the topic this time. Yeah, Joe Biggs, if you win. Yeah, actually, win. Joe, you can totally yeah. win. Well, who are we kidding? We just like <laughs> to give things away. We don't care who wins. It's true. We'll, we'll stick the names back in the random name picker. But this time, we want to hear about your favorite play that's been adapted into a movie. And we're going to exclude musicals because we might talk about musicals at another time right. because I hear stuff about this La La Land movie. Yeah, it was um, okay. But what's your favorite play? That's been adapted into a movie, or maybe I should say it is: What's the the best or your favorite movie that was adapted from a play? Macbeth. Do Paul's I? Paul's already win? told his answer. Paul yeah. and I can't win. We're the only ones who can't win. Curse! So be sure to find one of us on Twitter. You can get Paul at at ac paul, or you can get me at at jake underscore roberson, or preferably come to our Facebook group, Pop Culture with Fan People and Know It Alls. Type that into your Facebook search bar, and there we will be. All right. All right. So moving on. The most least important thing. Paul, why don't you lead us off this time? Oh, my goodness. Okay. So my least, most, most least most important least thing. Most least important thing. Book I read last week. It is an old book. I was going to say, that doesn't look new. No, no. It's, it's by one of my favorite writers, G.K. Chesterton. Good old G.K. Chesty. Yeah, he was a turn-of-the-century writer who um, was a... He was a really fascinating guy. He knew a lot of really smart people. He was a very smart person himself. He was also a Christian, and he talked with a lot of people who disagreed with him about everything. He talked with anarchists and communists, and he managed to keep good relationships with them all, which I really no small respect. Feat. No small feat. Um, but I, I was um, recommended a book by him called The Man Who Is Thursday. It is a very strange, absurdist thriller comedy. Hmm. So, and essentially... Thriller, thriller. Yeah, Say you that know, again? I, Say that again. A strange, absurdist thriller comedy. I love it. Yeah, it's your type of book because you're kind of absurd. But it's a <laughs> <And> really... <laughs> it's a really fascinating, interesting read. Um, I can't explain any of it because it's... it's Too just, absurd? It's just too absurd. But it's it's pretty entertaining. It has some very interesting thoughts about the nature of civilization and anarchy and the strange relationship that, that we may have to to God. Mm. So it's a, it's a fairly religious book as it goes on. So I really enjoyed it. Um, it's worth a read for sure. I'm a big fan of anarchy, so. Um, <laughs> I know this about you. <laughs> so I'm ready to get my hands on this book. All right, so my <laughs> most least important thing, there's been a lot of talk about a little console called the Nintendo Switch. Switch. 
And uh, I want to talk about the fact that this Nintendo Switch is an, is a funny little piece of hardware. It's supposed to be a portable game system that, or a home game system that can be a portable game system or a portable game system that you can plug into your home console. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Now, have you actually played it? I have gotten to play it. Yes. Do you have? I don't own one. Okay. But I have. I do have a buddy who hosts a podcast called Fathers of the Grind. Ah. Shout out to Tim Nestor, who has a um, has one, and he brought it in, so we got to see it in action. And this Legend of Zelda game, Breath of the Wild, um, is being rated as like one of the best video games ever made. Yeah. Um, however, in an age of the internet. It is one of the most the Nintendo Switch has one of the most you you can't <laughs> chat with people on this system. This is 2017 people. No. You can't chat with people who, when you play on the Nintendo Switch. You have to have a phone app. Who really wants to chat with people while you're playing a video game? I I am old enough I like to doing this. No. Well, you're more social than I am. But even worse than that, even more egregious than that. So this is where this is the most least important. Thing. <laughs> Even worse than that, this thing came out, and there's you can't play old Nintendo games on it. Oh, see, that's one thing that I really don't like about a lot of these games, these 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 consoles, is they're not backwards compatible. It drives me crazy because you spend all this money on these games, and then you can't play them on the, your new spanking new system. Right. And so this thing launches, and at least some of these other systems will allow you to like digital downloads. You know, you have PlayStation Now and stuff like that of old games. But, like, I want to just get on and play some Super Mario Bros. from yeah. way back when. And I want to play the original Zelda. The original Zelda. <laughs> You're the only one who remembers that, Paul. <laughs> I know there's a lot of fans of the original Zelda. I've actually only played Skyward Sword. Really? Which is the one where you actually got to use the Wii Remote. Wii Remote the Wii Remote as a sword. So, anyways, Nintendo, what are you thinking? Yeah. That was really should have been your most important thing. Yeah. Who cares about this game that's supposed to be the best ever in the world? We yeah. want Mario. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. All right. So there you have it, folks. That about wraps it up for episode three. Indeed. I think it was an interesting little conversation. We talked March Madness mascots. We talked fences. We talked a book that's, uh, what, 100 years old? Yes. And And then we talked about a video game console that's less than a week old. I like <laughs> a lot of variety. I like the variety here. So be sure to check us out on our Facebook group, Pop Culture with Fan People and Know It Alls. It's a place to come share your favorite movie, TV, video game, pop culture memes. Talk about the shows you're nerding out on, the movies you're nerding out on. Oh, we gotta We've talk got about a, Iron Fist next Iron week. Fist comes out this yeah. weekend. So we're probably gonna have to talk about that on the next episode. I think so. And uh and once you get in that group you can tell us your favorite movie that was adapted from a play, and you could win your very own copy of Fences. Indeed, indeed. and we can Free all, of charge. We can actually even contact each other and watch them all together, but separately. Hey, that sounds like an idea. We can text each other. Totally. Paul wants to give out his phone yeah. number to the whole internet. Yeah, so. yeah. Let's <laughs> Thank you that. guys so much for joining us. I'm Jake Know-It-All Roberson. This is... I'm Paul Fanboy AC. You've been listening to a fanboy and a know-it-all talk pop culture. Thanks. Bye.